0: by Sean Sewell and com podcast. Really excited to have my friend Pat Flynn on for the fifth time. Fifth time, Pat. That's, okay. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Well, always a joy to be here, Sean. I can't, I still can't get over how good your setup looks. So if people oh, can't see you. the video right now, it just, it's a blurred background with some guitars, some kettlebells. It's, it's like my dream setup. I'm, I'm super jealous over here.
0: Oh, well, thanks, Pat. Now, it's actually, you know what, this is kind of a fun topic to talk about. As more and more of us, well, probably most all of us are using Zoom and FaceTime and Duo and all these ways to talk and communicate, whether with friends and family or for service providing like what you do. This is totally doable, um, this setup. Just a capture card, because a lot of webcams are out of stock, as people are finding out. Capture card's like 80 bucks using a mirrorless camera. and. yeah, you get this kind of output. Also, it helps to have a great wife who's very creative artistically to help lay this stuff out in the background. This
1: looks this looks well organized. By the way, it's a little blurry, but um, is that an SG I see in the background? Because if so, oh, yes, it is. There's Bang mine, on. right here.
0: Oh, look at nice pickups.
1: Yeah, nice. that's my that's been my primary guitar for the past couple of years. I just love the I love the balance of it. You, you know yeah. you can be speedy enough but the the, it, the feel is great the tone is awesome it's just such a nice guitar
0: you know i, I love it too it was never on my radar that was a gift for my wife uh four years ago i think and um she did her homework that guitar can do like you said do everything and do it very mm-hmm. well it's just underrated guitar for sure
1: yeah it's funny because uh, we've talked about this before my biggest musical influence growing up was acdc and angus young plays an sg
0: mm-hmm.
1: but for whatever reason i i was never interested in having an sg and then i finally played one and I, in media, i'm like i need to have this guitar
0: oh for right sure. now <laughs> yeah you're right mm-hmm. now yeah you're right the way it feels is just so it, it just feels right and um, yeah
1: I, I like it more than the les paul to be to be frank
0: yeah you know what i'm, I'm with you on that i've i had a friend i had a really bad band called Warren Pino grigio um, and, um, I love that name. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny creation story to it mm-hmm. involving, um, mushrooms in and the festival, but, <laughs> and uh, warm white wine, don't drink warm white wine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, he was a collector of classic guitars. So he had Telecasters, Stratocasters, Jaguars, um, Les Pauls, the BB King one, you know, the, the bigger one, um, mm-hmm. all the guitars and yeah, the Les Paul's is a fantastic guitar. Um, but it's really heavy
1: by the way, interesting side fact, maybe for some listeners is I live in Waukesha County, which is his hometown. We have a Les Paul museum,
0: seven and a half
1: minutes from my house
0: maybe so amazing what what 's mm-hmm. it like there I mean like just a bunch of Les Paul guitars in the history of them?
1: you know it's, it's um so my sister my sorry my stepsister had a had a wedding in the Waukesha – i think it's the the, the the old courthouse and it's at the bottom of that courthouse where there's a museum and there's kind of a Les Paul tribute. So there's some of his guitars. I only, I only visited it once briefly, so I might get some of the details wrong, but it, it's, it's a nice little thing. It's not some oh. gigantic building in and of itself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's down the street from you. That's super cool.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It
0: can't beat that. Mm. Hmm. So um, we have a lot to cover, a lot of fun stuff. As always, it's super easy to talk with you and um like before when i push record obviously the last three months um haven't been driving a lot here in denver we had a 10 mile bubble restriction and we did my best to to stay within it they loosened that about two weeks ago and um, a couple of podcasts ago we talked about suffering and going without and so for me going without well two of my main businesses train people in person that's you know still uh, going without that but going without my one of my favorite things which is um Splitboarding, right in mountains so I got a chance to go up to the mountains with my dogs and just soak it in like just soak in the beauty of the mountains and the nature um, and on the way there listen to your podcast this is when I listen to your podcast right <laughs> and um, the one I was listening to is with you and Dan John and it's always a pleasure to listen to you guys talk and like take on questions from the, the viewers and listeners and um, the one that was kind of caught my attention was uh, one of the herbs that you're taking right now. It's something I take too. um, um, Ashwagandha. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. What do you, what do you experience with the ashwagandha?
1: Well, for supplements generally, I I always like to lay out a a couple of principles because there's, there's often these kind of two extremes. um, And I don't think the far side of of, of, say the opinion spectrum is always wrong, but, but sometimes it is. So there's kind of two extremes in the fitness industry. One is that supplements can do a lot more than, than people suppose right mm-hmm. supplements are the answer. Uh, that's clearly a mistaken and misleading. you know supplements by the very name should always be in addition to, never instead of. Mm-hmm. but there's the, there's the other extreme which which tries to write off all supplements or considers all supplements equal or worthless and that's that's not true either. Yeah. And there's actually been a ton of research done into supplementations, various forms of so, so what you have to do is you have to kind of roll up your sleeves, Mm-hmm. And you just have to look at the research and say, well, what research has been done? Is it good research? And is there any evidence that any supplements might be useful for any particular outcomes? And the answer is, yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I recently, and I'll give it, if anybody wants it, I have like a short one-page Google doc of supplements that, um, that I either recommend or take personally. Just remind me to, to give this to you, Sean. You can yeah. give it out. And uh, links to the research. So links to the the actual studies that have been done. And I hold a pretty high standard for the studies that, that I'll admit. But ashwagandha is one of those. And there's been uh, a lot of high-quality research on ashwagandha. It's an adaptogenic herb. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an herb that helps your body essentially better cope with and deal with the negative effects of stress. So it's not, it's not a magic thing by any means, but there has been good research to show that this can help with um, – Anxiety especially, um, quite effective for, for anxiety and stress. Um, there's some marginal evidence that it might have a positive effect for testosterone, but I think that might be kind of more of an indirect. I have a speculation that might be more indirect for its um, effects on stress generally. Yep. And, and same thing with weight loss, right? Is that some of these supplements, they aren't like fat-burning supplements, but if you get your stress down, if you start sleeping better and you're worrying less, chances are you'll have an easier time with your workout and diet routine. So there's kind of an indirect effect there mm-hmm. as well. Um, so yeah, I know I'm a fan. I, um, it seems like you know, this is a healthy, sustainable supplement. There's tons of positives, virtually zero drawbacks. As with any mm-hmm. supplement, you got to watch for you know, contraindications with certain medications. So just mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Um, you know, Run it by your doctor, all the basics. But the research on this one's really good. So if people are feeling stressed, anxious, um, neurotic, obsessive-compulsive... Um, And you're doing, you know, you're focusing on the lifestyle at large. This is something I think is definitely worth considering.
0: I like your take and that, that well stated too. I've been taking ashwagandha from different companies off and on for a few years for that reason, for stress management, like we talked about in previous episodes, we both have anxiety. And we do our best to, to accept that and manage it. Uh, Serendipitously back in February, I had the creator of Hana uh, one supplements on the show and his name is Joel Einhorn. And he was, in Europe, um, and sustained a pretty bad uh, bicycle accident. And he got an Indian doctor, Ayurvedic doctor, and he um, recovered. And in the in process of recovering, learned about ashwagandha and turmeric and a bunch of other ad- adaptogens. And mm-hmm. so um, he hooked me up, like a half year supply of it. So I've, I've got some good quality stuff over here, and it's kind of fun to test it out and see what you do feel. And um, I just put a, a teaspoon, yeah, about a teaspoon in my coffee in the morning, and mm-hmm. nice and calm.
1: Yeah. It's um so what do I use? I, I, I switch back and forth between ba- brands. Gaia, Gaia herbs, they seem to be oh, pretty sure, decent. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then um I have one right now I'm taking that's uh a probiotic that has Ashwagandha in it. Interesting. It's called uh, Mood, Mood Probiotic. So yeah, people might want to check that out. And uh I like it. Sweet. What's the company what's the company? It might be Garden
0: Garden of Life. Garden
1: of Life or yeah, I think it might be Garden of Life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you know, supplements are a supplement and I have taken a lot of supplements. And I've reviewed a lot of supplements. Um, you know, some really do improve, you know, they do. Right. Help. And,
1: and, 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 you know, there's some, there's somewhere where the, the research hasn't, there, there isn't a ton of research, but you know, maybe there's enough and, I think that there's room for responsible kind of self-experimentation there as well, right? right? Um, so I'll give you an example. One that is, has, a, has a decent amount, I think, of, of support in the research, but it's not like as strong as ashwagandha, is um, bacopa, you know, oh, bacopa? Yes. Yep. Yep. But that's one, when I take that personally, I, I definitely notice a difference mm-hmm. when I take that one. So that's, that's one where I was looking, I'm like, okay, it seems like there might be enough to suggest that this might be beneficial and um i started taking and some realize people with adaptogen sometimes it takes a little bit of time before you really notice um, some people have told me that they feel better like almost instantly and that's awesome for me there's usually you know i don't know how long it is exactly but it's more of a cumulative
0: effect for, yeah, for me I, mm-hmm. I would i would second that for sure I think in the, our American culture, we're used to instant reaction. <laughs> like mm-hmm. What now? Whereas, um, you will like this actually, when I was in the strong endurance um, seminar, the very first one with Pavel's teaching it and he had like, you know, a lot of our mentors and colleagues there. And he did, uh, touch on, um, the Russian way of supplementation, adaptogens, stuff like that, as opposed to like the, Western way of like stimulants and stuff like that. And from his research, ways Red, read, and obviously he's Pavel, so you know, he's done his homework. Um, better results, more sustained, more consistent with the more, how's it, peaceful, the more um, organic approach to it as opposed to the quick fix.
1: Yeah, I can. I can definitely see why that would be the case. And look, look, I'm holding my coffee here, so I do love my <laughs> my stimulants. I yeah. moderate it though. I, I rarely go more than two cups of coffee. I just can't. I just I won't function if I have too much of it. Right. Um, but it's one of those things where it helps to kind of knit you back together. Um, and there will be many, I think, indirect effects, such as your sleep quality will improve. And once that happens, I mean, everything else is better off at that point. So my my three, what are my three favorites that have worked really well for me in the stress department? Ashwagandha, uh, Rhodiola. That would be the other one.
0: Oh yeah, good call. I...
1: And and Bacopa. Those would be my my three adaptogens. That for Pat Flynn, I know some people have. um, had you know awesome results from other ones that i've i've kind of cycled in but eh, you know no noticeable difference i don't want to write those off i'm saying for me mm-hmm. on the stress and anxiety it's mm-hmm. been those three
0: nice nice mm-hmm. yeah i can i can second you on those those are all fantastic ones and then as far as like um minerals which i think get overlooked i take a thing called or a supplement called calm at night yeah it's the like, magnesium a, one yeah mm-hmm. oh, i love it. it's like effervescent um Again, with magnesium, ease into it, <laughs> too much magnesium. That can have a cleansing effect. <laughs> get too much cleansing, yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely uh, get some and ease into it. But um, mm-hmm. uh, that and uh, zinc usually at the same time. Sometimes just, I'll just take ZMA, just get both. Yes. And, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of a fun supplement. One of the unique, I don't say off-label or side effects is like very lucid dreams. Ever experienced that with the ZMA?
1: Yeah, that's one of the more interesting things of supplementation is to see how it affects your dreaming. Yeah. Uh, sometimes quite profoundly and in oh, interesting yeah. ways. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, I, t- I took my ZMA last night and I had the same dream like four or five times this morning where I kept going in to change the outcome to an outcome I liked.
1: Yeah, do, do you ever have the one where you, where you know you're dreaming? Oh, yeah, yeah. All the time, right? Like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm, I'm dreaming. And I can, I can sometimes wake myself up.
0: <laughs> right, Mm -hmm. it's true I I think that's um when I'm in a good place mentally and emotionally I can acquire those kinds of dreams more frequently Mm -hmm. you know if I'm more stressed out or not taking care of myself I don't feel like I have as good a quality dreams where I don't recall the dreams as much
1: right one way you uh one way you can know you're dreaming is you won't be able to read oh I didn't
0: did not realize that
1: next time you're dreaming try reading something (laughs)
0: <laughs> cool that's a good that's good i didn't know that
1: you know where I, i'm pretty sure i got that from the original batman animated series Classic. there's 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 an episode i forget all the details where he's somebody put him into a deep sleep and eventually he figures out that he's dreaming because i think two things he couldn't the, the newspaper he couldn't read the newspaper was mm-hmm. one of the things and, that, and that's that's true that's actually true like for whatever reason whatever's whatever part of the brain you're using in, in sleep it's you can't read in your dream so that's kind of a litmus test right if you're that's kind of crazy. like in this cartesian i don't know what's real or not you know kind of uber skeptical mode you can at least apply that and,
0: and, and see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool uh, you got all the cool tips pat <laughs> i always have yeah. like notes like <laughs> those geez, 90s
1: cartoons come in handy every now and then
0: <laughs> they do i actually went back and watched the the batman's back to back to back a few months ago that was very enjoyable very good
1: yeah, the, uh, the I mean the 1989's not to hijack the conversation in a pointless direction, but this stuff fascinates me. Will will always be my favorite because I I mostly grew up with those, you know, Batman, Batman Returns.
0: Oh sure, Michael Keaton.
1: Yeah, the Michael Keaton, the Dark Knight trilogy is is fantastic. I I think they are objectively probably the best Batman movies. I have to say though, I didn't hate Batman versus Superman like everybody else did.
0: I liked that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was just good old fashioned, you know. Romping, good time.
0: Yeah. No, I think the DC ones were actually underrated again. Like, Wonder Woman was fantastic. Uh, Aquaman, mm-hmm. very entertaining. Um, yeah. Well, um, speaking of movies, uh movie I saw most recently that really, really impressed me. I'm a big Guy Ritchie fan. Uh, Gentlemen. I don't know if you've seen this yet.
1: No, I have not seen it. Oh, it's good. But I... Th- I think this might be a Guy Ritchie movie, The Man from Uncle. Have you
0: seen? Oh that yeah, one? I love that one. Yep, that's great. Yeah,
1: I just so Alex Salcombe was out. He's been on your show, He's uh-huh. just staying with us great for a guy. week, and we just we just watched that movie two nights ago. Awesome movie.
0: So fun. I, here's my guilty pleasure. When I go camping, which is twice a week, I'm going camping probably tonight. On my iPad, I'll put movies like that because I don't get to watch them all the time at home, and so I'll rewatch them over and over. I can probably do all the whole movie dialogue. It's such a fun. It's got the nice soundtrack. Uh, it's it's a fun movie. Uh,
1: yeah a little uh, what i call glamping right glamour
0: camping. it's definitely glamping Mm -hmm. like yes i i camp in blizzards and i'll I'll backpack and do all this hardcore stuff but most of the time my excuse is to go shoot product videos wear our dogs out play some guitar have an adult beverage or or two and um enjoy the outdoors you know
1: yeah i love it man that's that that's i can get on board with that kind of camping
0: Ah, it's so it's so fun and you meet more interesting people too like so i was up at a, a spot two nights ago camping and I have my roof nest tent, which is like on top of my Forerunner, it pops up it's and again it's clamping. I have two like four season tents in the truck that I will use, but um you yeah, know, just easy camping and this couple from Florida rolls up, and they were like just so enamored by it, so I gave them the walk to walk through tour and then they went out and picked one up from uh from Roof Nest, which is here in Boulder, Colorado, so just little connections here and there and you know it's just cool to connect people to the right things so they can enjoy the outdoors more with their families. Mm-hmm. totally an organic setting just hanging out with my dogs
1: <laughs> yeah i love it man i'm i mean we're so we're wisconsin we're flatlanders here mm-hmm. so not not too many mountains we got a few well what we would call mountains you guys would probably call hills or or just bumps in the road um <laughs> but it's beautiful territory we've been getting outside hiking a little bit more so oh it's nice yeah it's all, it's all good i love i love the midwest i
0: really do it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, I grew up in Nebraska, and obviously Nebraska is very flat. There is one section right where it touches Iowa um, that has these beautiful, beautiful bluffs. From my understanding, the only place in the world that has these kind of bluffs is in China somewhere. Not been. Really? You can verify? But yeah, they're really, it's really beautiful. Alex knows all about it. Fontenelle Forest. It's uh it's really pretty. Other than that, yeah. Nebraska is real flat. <laughs> so I've heard, yeah. Well, yeah. that's good to know, because I want to start exploring more of the Midwest, so. Omaha is a good town, especially if you go visit Alex out there. It's 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 worth. That's visiting. exactly
1: oh, the plan. Yeah, mm-hmm. we figure we don't have any other summer plans, so we might as well just start driving around the country.
0: I'm with you on that mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. If it is opened, Omaha Zoo, Henry Dorley Zoo, is worth checking out.
1: It's 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 funny, um, because Alex is has said that you know this is like the best zoo in in America, and, and I believe him. It's funny because states mm-hmm. will have things that are unique to them that really are kind of the best thing. So in Milwaukee we have Summerfest. I don't know if you've heard of Summerfest. Not yet. Well, so so here's a classic example where I have to try and explain to people like, "No, no, trust me, believe me. Wisconsin actually <laughs> has the world's biggest music festival every single year." And nobody like, "Wisconsin? No, seriously, it's a two-week-long music festival. There's major headliners every single night and a bunch of like you know b c level bands that maybe were a level bands in years past people like alice cooper for example or deep purple and they're on kind of like the sub stages wow. and there's it's it's right on lake michigan and there's there's tons of different stages so there's country stages rock stages you know all, all the different genres of music all kinds of it's all sponsored by the beer companies of course so <laughs> they bust people in and it is legitimately the world's largest music music festival that nobody's ever heard about every year oh, in Wisconsin. I didn't know that. Not this year, obviously, with everything yeah. going on, it's all been canceled, but, but yeah, normally.
0: Wow. Well, I'll put that in the calendar for next summer. we come like, on up, man, i will love to take you to. down. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we'll, we'll start a really bad band. Like uh, the last festival I went to was Mile High Music Festival. And like I said, had some, you know, adult mushrooms and formed a band later that night um, after watching Steve <laughs> Miller and Jack Johnson perform together. <laughs>
1: Right, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty sure so Steve good. Miller's been at, at Summerfest a number of times. You know, there was always those bands that played every single, like Tom Petty was there every single year until he, oh, yeah. until he passed away. He was always a headliner. Um, oh, cool. Just people like that, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll come up there and check it out. Well, um, I learned something kind of interesting, too. I was hanging out playing Mexican Train uh, with my in-laws, and um, my stepfather-in-law was a big fan of uh, classic rock, which I am, too. And he mentioned that Woodstock took place during the – not a pandemic, but an epidemic, like one level below what we're currently in. I didn't I heard that.
1: I, d- yeah. I did not know that either, but I did see that going around recently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. So I, I went and uh, purchased the Woodstock movie, which is actually really good. It's like three hours long. It's a documentary. It's, it's beautifully shot. It's like like a Francis Ford Coppola style shot. It's really, really? Cool. All yeah. right.
1: Well, I will put it's that on the list then, Sean. Thank yeah, you.
0: We're checking out for sure. Well, speaking of, I mean, this is the, the topic, you know, the big elephant in the room. Um you know we've we've had some good discussions on anxiety uh, about how business has changed for a lot of people because of the coronavirus and you know uh there's been a lot of ad- ch- changes and ad- adaptations and stuff and some people are doing better with it than others and um you've obviously been great at, at creating content and um getting your people and your strong on group engaged and and being a good leader it's really inspiring to see mm. um but uh you sent out an email a few days ago, you know, very gracefully talking about you know the current situation. And before we push record, we were having a good good talk on this. And um, as a media company myself, as in GearMet, you know, we, I think media has responsibility to portray things as accurately as possible. And I don't feel mm-hmm. like most media is doing that right now. Like, yeah, they're, not they're at all. Making a very uh, dangerous situation even more dangerous. It's kind of frustrating mm-hmm. to see.
1: Yeah, you know, it's um, it's bad, it's 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 really bad. Um, and we were kind of speculating the different reasons why media companies do this, profits, ratings, agendas, and I'm sure it's a myriad of, of different factors. But I, I think what can't be denied is that they do do this, right, yeah. that they do feed into anger, they do feed into division. Um, Yeah. So, you know, what do we, what do we do about that? Um, And, you know, me and you are both leaders in community. So I think that, you know, there's, there are responsibilities that we have to try and address these things and so much of what I try to do, especially on my podcast, my platform. And because people ask, actually people ask me this quite often is like, why don't you have a political segment, right? You have philosophy Mm -hmm. segment, you have theology segment. Why aren't you, why aren't you talking about contemporary political issues or candidates and, you know, maybe I'm wrong about this, Sean, I'd actually, you know, be curious to get your feelings on this. Cause it's kind of one of the first times I, um, kind of ad- address this directly mm-hmm. is that m- the core of my mission and the core of my brand. And I do this as much in, in philosophy and theology and philosophy is my more formal academic background, right? Fitness is just mm-hmm. a very seriously studied hobby. People sometimes just assume that my <laughs> degrees are in fitness. They're not like yes. degrees are in economics and philosophy. Um, Uh, My position has been, um, one, I don't want to create unnecessary barriers to entry to what I feel are matters that are essential for human flourishing, matters of philosophy and and theology, and that can be long-lasting and transformative. And as soon as you bring up a contemporary political topic or candidate, everybody brings in their their, uh, prejudices and their preconceptions and their motivated reasoning, and it's immediately – it's immediately divisive and people will immediately um, have a different perspective on everything else that follows from that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a highly political person in my private life, but in my in my public life, I try to remain as apolitical as possible so I can focus on the fundamental principles in philosophy that would be metaphysics and ethical reasoning um, in the sense that if you can get these right, my hope, and maybe it's a naive hope, maybe it is naive, is that you can then figure everything else out downstream for the most part. Maybe you need some help with some specific issues. Everybody does. But I take the same general approach with fitness as well. You know, I'm not always constantly critiquing any new particular fad or trend that comes up. It's Mm -hmm. principles, fundamentals. What do we know as our starting points? And then how can we think straight to make the best decisions downstream? And again, my hope, maybe it's naive or not, is that by focusing on these sort of core fundamental principles Um, not spending as much time at the tip of the iceberg, but at the bottom of it, Mm -hmm. I find that it can be much more unifying because my audience is incredibly politically diverse. I mean, I got so many email responses to that from all over the political spectrum. And I had... Incredible. Con- yesterday was just spent just having conversa- political <laughs> conversations with people. Very productive. Very charitable. Okay. Um, so that was, in fact, extremely. You know, I had one or two. You know, enraged uh, people. But yeah, I get enraged people no matter what I talk about. Um, I hear you on that. <laughs> but the vast majority uh, was people saying how much they appreciated that email um, and whether they agreed with everything or not. Fruitful conversation was had and. The other funny thing, I'll just mention this in passing, was that almost alternately in emails, somebody said, you might be far more conservative than I, or you might be far more liberal than I. Mm-hmm. So like, they were alternating. One person said, I'm too conservative. And another person says, I'm too liberal. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if that means I'm doing something right, or I'm, yeah. or I'm being like too balanced or what, but that was just kind of a, an, an interesting thing. So that's my, that's my general stance on why I don't focus on contemporary political Topics or candidates, not because I don't think they're important, but because they're often fleeting in a way that the deeper fundamental principles are not. And you can't make sense of the superficial issues if you don't have a grasp of the fundamentals first.
0: Well, that was great. Yeah, I dig that. Um, yeah, that that was really well put. Like you, um, you know, I have my own personal beliefs, and I don't, I don't, I don't think it benefits anybody, myself included, to go out there and try and persuade people to see my point of view on politics or religion or whatever. So I don't post about it. Not that I don't think about it. Like you said, definitely we talk about it. You know, it's very important stuff, but, um, I, I don't feel that my businesses are in a place that would benefit, you know, coming at an angle, you know? So I think what you wrote was fantastic in the email. It was you know, yes, I'm is obviously thinking about it, but you know, here's you know my take on it it's and basically it comes down to we're all in this together maybe not the same boat but on the same storm or whatever together mm-hmm. we're all doing our best to show compassion and love and be curious about each other just try and see other points of view and like mm-hmm. you said the moment you come my perception at least the moment you come at a, a situation with with like a, a black and white or yes or no kind of response it it kind of it, it turns a lot of people off. It turns me off.
1: You know? Well, you'll certainly create – like I could take a political stance on anything, and I actually don't think it would necessarily hurt my business. And In fact, there's there's often direct marketing advice that people will give and say, like, no, make your business highly political because it will more enthuse a certain type of audience, right? So people mm-hmm. – I have no doubt that certain business owners do it for pure profit reasons pure profit pure profit reasons (laughs) that's it so you know don't always be so quick to think that these political brands are necessarily on either side or necessarily as virtuous as as they often pretend to be with their slogans um some might be don't get me wrong some very well might be um but yeah for me so so that email was about was about everything that's been going on recently but especially the the rioting right and whether rioting is is morally justified and you know so my background in, in philosophy is 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 predominantly metaphysics but also but also ethics and philosophy i think the best definition of philosophy is just thinking really hard about things that's what philosophy ultimately is it's a love of wisdom is the classic definition and the method of philosophy is one of discovering or and making important distinctions distinctions that really make a difference and trying to develop prudence so you have this practical good reasoning that you can take into various situations and have clarity on moral issues. That's why the study of ethics and philosophy is really important. And to answer a question of whether rioting or even violence or aggression is morally justified, there's, there's so much that goes into that. Mm-hmm. And we, we can talk about that. I, I would love to talk about, yeah. about these things. Um, but, you know, one thing that should be said is in times of great emotional distress is not the time when you typically want to start a philosophical project, right? <laughs> um, and, but it is important to understand that, for, that, that morality enters the scene with rationality right? It's because we are rational agents that makes moral decision-making possible. We can consider things under different conceptual descriptions, right? I can consider you as Sean, I, a guitarist. I can consider you as a podcaster. I can consider you as as a husband under all these different conceptual descriptions. Mm-hmm. And depending on where I choose to focus, I can direct myself, right? I can orient my will towards... That's That's how free will works, right? Yeah. People Totally missed the free will debate um, with a lot of sloppy metaphysics and stuff, but free will kind of falls out of having an intellect, of being able to understand things under different conceptual uh, frameworks, under different abstract concepts, and then being able to focus and orient yourself, um, you know, in relation to those different perspectives. And uh, so once you have that as rational agents, you have the ability to choose – you can uh, and the ability to decide based on the kind of the space of reasons, if you want to call it that, is you can then either choose rightly or wrongly, mm-hmm. right? But if if you don't have that ability, if you're not a rational agent, morality isn't even on the table. You're not even a moral agent. But here's the thing: as soon as you start to go based on purely emotions, right, and you're not reasoning anymore then you're undermining the very faculty that makes moral decision making possible in the first place. So sometimes people push back and they say, you know, you philosophers and your highfalutin, you know, armchair, ivory tower thinking. And like, I get that. I want philosophy to be practical. I think that we should be doing everything we can to make a just society, but to make a just society, we have to first have some concept of what justice even is. Mm -hmm. And then we have to have concepts of what are the different ways to achieve justice. Um, ideas of whether you can achieve justice through unjust means that's an important consideration so i am fully with the practical the practical side i want a just society as much as anybody else Mm -hmm. but to even suggest that implies that we at least have to have some some understanding of what justice means in the first place so those are just kind of some i guess preliminary notes that lead into a otherwise very complicated conversation
0: (laughs) those are great notes (laughs) uh yeah it's always fun talking with you about big concepts. Uh, mm-hmm. you have a very very good way of breaking them down. yeah, well, let's talk a little bit more about that if you like. That's um, sure, yeah, so please, yeah, elaborate
1: yeah, so I mean, let me just you know say first and and I think most obviously, and sometimes it's good just to to remind ourselves of the obvious basics, um, that every you know, everybody should be outraged and more outraged at the destruction of innocent human life than physical property, Mm -hmm. everybody. And the reason for this is that human life has intrinsic value, whereas physical property only has instrumental value, Mm -hmm. right? And the only reason, this is an important, this is one of those distinctions in philosophy that is important, the only reason we care about things like property or privacy in the first place is because of what they attach to and what they help to ultimately maybe flourish in some sense, which, is, which are human beings, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So it makes no sense in any debate. And these are kind of the principles I lay out to hope you know people can think through on various issues to subvert that hierarchy of goods, to subvert that hierarchy, to, to somehow put property rights above life rights. It just makes no sense. The only reason we care about property is, is in an instrumental sense to the thing of intrinsic value that attaches to, to human life. Now you gotta do some, I guess, deeper metaphysics to, you know, to, to kind of support, well, why does human life have intrinsic value? That itself is a very interesting and important question. And, and sometimes in society, we need to even have that debate because not everyone takes that as a, an assumption. There are moral nihilists out there, right? Moral subjectivists. And so you can see how just a conversation like this could take you down any number of, of rabbit holes, right? Oh yeah,
0: I like the um, word moral nihilists. I've never heard that combination, that made sense. Objective. Yeah, well nihilists
1: would just hold that um you know there are there are no objective moral values, duties, obligations, you know, intrinsic worth, anything like that. So I mean that's kind of the first that's kind of the first question of 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 ethics and morality, right? Is just a big question of is there a meaning a, a purpose or an objective highest good for human beings? Mm-hmm. And if you answer yes on that, then then a whole bunch of other questions open up. Um but predominantly, what is it, right? What is it? If you answer no on that, well, then the 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 kind of ethical system then is 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 kind of closed. It's case closed, and then the question becomes, well, what explains why we've been so severely deluded through human history, mm-hmm. right? And that's and that's where you would be something of a moral nihilist, right? And you try to try to account for what see, this this massive delusion where we where we experience this realm of what what I call objective moral values and obligations. Now when I say objective I mean mind independent. It's binding regardless of what we think about it. In the same sense that Sean you are objectively there. Like if I evaporated Sean would still be there. You do not depend on my on my thinking, right? So we certainly perceive like when we say that hey you know slavery is really wrong we're saying something like about a true state of affairs not just uh, a matter of of taste or opinion, for example, right? This is the, the kind of distinction between an, an object of morality and a, and a purely subjective. And in philosophy, this, this kind of breaks down between uh, camps known as moral realists, which, which I am, that morality is a real feature of the world. It's not necessarily a physical feature like this coffee mug, but it's a, it's a real feature, right? And it's something we can, we can, that we discover, not invent. Right, that's essentially my position, and again, I think we need some deeper metaphysics to explain why that's the case, and we can go there for one. Whereas, you know, moral subjectivists would take the opposite uh, approach. They would say it's it's something that we have we purely invent, right? It's it's either uh, something fobbed off from the socio-evolutionary process, or it's 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 an artifact of of culture or or something like that. They have their their different attempted explanations, and these are these are radically different worldviews. It's radically right. <laughs> radically different with radically different consequences as you might imagine um so most in the most most ethicists most philosophers are moral realists they they are um but there's there's strong minorities of moral subjectivists and and nihilists out there mm-hmm. as well so yeah, so so we have to be ready to have those those debates, and we can we can I, I could try and make the case for more realism if, if we want because that's kind of a fundamental point, right? If yes. if if more realism isn't true, then it makes no sense to talk about right or wrong behavior, mm-hmm. right? It just the only the only interesting question then is why, why are we so deluded, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and there might be there might be conditional. Uh, statements like, "Okay, we're diluted, but if we want this type of outcome, then maybe we should do this." But there's nothing to say that we should necessarily want this type of outcome. Like, if we want a society where people treated equally, then we should do this. But there's no reason to think that people being treated equally is really of any objective moral significance or something like that. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense,
0: it kind of does. Yeah, um, I'm going to add on something you said a couple minutes ago about material. Um, so, since last time I talked to you. Um, my, my truck was broken into and all my stuff was stolen. And when I say stuff, it wasn't just like a backpack. It was all of my camping and backcountry and splitboarding stuff. And, um, you know, a lot, of, you know, I, I mentioned that and a lot of people reached out, are you okay? You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine. The only thing I'm bummed about is the memory cards and the cameras, because those have visual memories I can't replace. Everything else is just stuff. And you know, we have our insurance and the insurance came through. I replaced most of the stuff. It's great.
1: Yeah but but the the other thing I was going to say is that, even though people should be more upset about the destruction of innocent human life, that doesn't mean they shouldn't be not upset about the destruction of people's or the or the theft of of people's property right. and especially the destruction of people's livelihoods. So my ultimate position in that that email was that is that you don't repay injustice with injustice, yeah, exactly, and that and and this is a basic principle of moral reasoning. It undermines the very concept of justice to begin with, which is giving to someone what they are owed. Mm-hmm. Justice has to do with deserts, um, And so, yeah, there's an asymmetry there. Some things are more morally significant and important than others. But we can consistently say that while people should be more upset about the destruction of innocent life, people can be and still should be upset when – Other innocent parties are being actively harmed under the false flag of justice.
0: I 100% agree. I mean, my heart goes out to all the small businesses who are already struggling so much, and then now their storefront's bashed in. You know, that's horrible. I mean, nobody benefits in that situation, and it's, it's very painful to see that. Cause
1: I, it, I, it is. I, and, and, you know, many of these people are the local community owners. I mean, so many of them have spoken out. Let me make a clear distinction that the rioters are not protesters and the protesters are not necessarily rioters. Right. And I think one of the one of the other issues of the rioting aside from I mean, so first off, let me be clear that I, I don't think that violence and aggression are per se immoral. And this is what I tried to highlight in the email. Rather, it's the object of violence and aggression that is the relevant moral issue is the object of the violence and aggression an innocent party? Because then if so, whatever theory of like a just war that you hold to, one of the principles of, of, of any just war is that you do not inflict harm onto innocence. Right? Mm-hmm. So I, I do think there are instances when violence, aggression or force can be merited, but it, it, it has to have a proper object and has to have a proportionate response and so on and so forth. So I'm not, I'm not an extreme pacifist. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but Many of these people who are now not just losing – and people are saying things about insurance. I don't know about you, Shaw, but my business, I had to like pay extra to get insurance that would cover anything like this, and I opted out of it because I didn't expect that my business would – so I think it's, it's foolish to assume that insurance is just going to step in for any of these businesses. But, oh. it, but now it's gone past the point of, of, of just the property. Now Now actual people are being harmed, killed mm-hmm. in these riots, innocent people. So now we are back to the destruction of innocent life. This wasn't the case a couple days ago, but now, now we're getting a real body count of innocent people. And that's grievously unjust. And especially for somebody like George Floyd, who my understanding was, was somebody who was not only, not only a Christian, but whose I think now brother and wife have strongly spoken out and say, this would have devastated him. This is no way to honor his legacy and demand justice for him. Right. So not only is it, is it unjust in principle what we're seeing going on, um, but it's but I think it's it's also taking away from something that that is that is important that does demand justice and there's a hijacking going on here, um, and you know I think most people that I, I I talked to were could see that but it is difficult to see because emotions are really hot but this is kind of to the point I was talking about before is emotions aren't what guides. Morality—it's reasoning. We have to sometimes we have to squint hard and think about this. And the thing that I'm kind of pushing back against is kind of a modern assumption of consequentialism or utilitarianism, where you know the cliche is sometimes we just need to break a few eggs to make an omelet. And this is very this is I think immoral and irrational thinking. And taking to its logical terminus could be used to justify any horrible thing and has been, Mm -hmm. including including the death of George Floyd. I mean, imagine if somebody said, you know what, structural change is so needed yeah. that maybe George Floyd's death was that necessary broken egg that we needed. Um, and nobody wants to agree with that. But there's once you let the utilitarian horse out of the barn, there's no principled way to bring it back in again. If we care about justice, we have to care about justice full stop. And we need an an appropriate idea of what justice is before we can even have these conversations and they're hard conversations i don't deny that they're hard conversations but that but they're important conversations
0: they are and i'm glad we're having this open dialogue a lot of people steer clear of it you know or they take a (laughs) a predetermined path and just copy and paste Uh, so it's nice to have real discussion about this kind of stuff
1: yeah, no, I, I agree, and you know, it's it's easy to voice and vent outrage on social media, and I'm not saying that outrage isn't merited. I think outrage is often merited. I think I think if if, there, if certain situations don't make you angry, then there's a moral problem, mm-hmm. right? But if you're letting those those passions overrule the right rational moral decision making, then that itself is a problem. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, those were just you know some some initial thoughts and. Uh, again, overwhelming, I had so many good conversations, not only with people on the blue, but I had a great guy from from chicago um i won 't mention his name because i didn't i didn't ask to but he's you know African American business owner and he can 't believe what's going on mm-hmm. um you know and the, this is this is not from you know what certainly what he would consider anything of a the the riots. Let me again be clear, I think the protests for any type of injustice are not only um not not only morally justified but often required and often needed.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm all for peaceful so, protests. In fact, I'll add to this, our police chief for Denver joined in the protest like 2 days ago. Not the riot, right of course, the mm-hmm. protest, the right way to do it. Show what, you know, show solidarity. Same here in Waukesha, we had a beautiful
1: uh, beautiful coming together of the of of the the, the local police precincts and the protesters, not mar- not just marching together but praying together. And like this, this awesome bonding and unity. So there is really good stuff. It's not being, hi- again, we talking about the media, it's not really being highlighted by the media at all. Yeah. But there is, there's actually really good stuff coming out. And I, I can offer nothing but my full support and endorsement of that. Um, so that's why I keep, again, philosophy is like, sometimes distinctions are subtle, but distinctions are important. We have to be able to make these distinctions if we're gonna have a, any type of, uh, you know, productive and charitable conversation.
0: No, that's great. Thanks for having the courage to talk about that. That was, um, that was very helpful for a lot of people. I'm sure listening to this and viewing this. Um, yeah. All right. We tackled that elephant in the room. That was great.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it is, it is important. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a practicing ethicist. I have a lot of friends who are, and it's a very, and so the ethicist, the goal of the ethicist should be able to take these principles and apply them to hard cases. So there's, there's hard cases out there where, the answer isn't always immediately clear. That's not my my specialty. I'm kind of in another realm of philosophy. But um, yeah, those are some those are some I think basic principles, uh, or at least kind of starting points. But as we've seen in this conversation, even starting points need to be argued for. Starting points like intrinsic worth of human beings. Not everybody accepts that starting point. So how do you know? How do we get there? Or the objectivity of moral obligations? Not everybody accepts that. But if you do accept those starting points, I think you can fairly easily get to the to the conclusions or the arguments that I've I've
0: been trying to make. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm well, I'm glad that it was so well received by your, your your listeners and viewers and readers. It was a great email. I mean, I read it I'm like I gotta drop pat a line and tell him how how great that was so
1: thank you thank you
0: i appreciate it so what else you cooking up over there i know you have a lot going on um with uh strong on anything you want to mention
1: yeah what's going on with strong on right now um just you know trying to keep people as you know fit productive you know and feeling good as possible in these exceedingly difficult times they are exceedingly difficult times, aren't they? You know, so trying to to provide that that community, that support, that encouragement. Um, so you know, what do we what do we got? We just kind of wrapped up a uh, a challenge. It's a good one uh, for strong on. So we do kind of like four different quarterly challenges a year, each kind of with a different focus or emphasis. Systems. we have a kind of strength focused challenge, other times it might be more conditioning based or or mobility based, and. Uh, right now i just had a conversation with uh with with dan john and we're kind of coming up with a uh kind of like a mini program this will be this will be free for anybody who who wants it um of just you know how do i describe it we just talked about it on the last podcast we didn't really come up with a name with it yet i'm just yeah kind of like a general physical preparedness program and it's kind of a cool structure if anybody's interested i'll kind of give the basic highlight um, with an emphasis on body composition and general health and, and strength and stuff like that. So you're not going to be like an Olympic, professional Olympic lifter or bodybuilder, but I think you'll be able to check a lot of boxes. And, uh, you know, kind of coming from this perspective of, of minimalism, you know, what's going to what's gonna give us a high return, you know, without, you know, too, too significant of an investment. And uh, we were kind of sketching this out on the last conversation I had with him, and we're both kind of fans of – um, at least having one or two days where you kind of train on the intensity extremes. And what we mean by the intensity extremes are something like a you know a, a heavy, sweaty complex, something like that, right? So maybe you're doing it with kettlebells or barbells. You take some of the big fundamental movements. You move a good amount of weight. You string some exercises back to back. You're tiring multiple muscle groups and energy systems simultaneously. You get a lot of systemic fatigue, but a good amount of strength work is, you know, and, and some hypertrophy as well. So you hit that. You know, maybe, maybe for 15 to 20 minutes, you get a good session in there, but then you attach that to the other end of the intensity spectrum, which is a sort of extended lower intensity endurance effort, something like a brisk walk or rucking, hiking, something like that. And that's a, that's a really, I think, potent combination for, for a lot of stuff, certainly strength, body composition, and just feels good too. Yeah. Um, and it's fun and the weather's yeah. getting nice. So, you know, you hit, that's, that's my plan today. Hit a couple of complexes, go for a nice, really long walk.
0: Oh, I love it.
1: So maybe, maybe you do that two to three days a week. Um, and, and that's cool because, you know, it'll be physiologically effective, but it can also be, and I think this is a key psychologically interesting because you can, you can do, add enough purposeful variety into something like that, that it's, it's fresh. And I, that's kind of the, the X vary, the hidden variable in a lot of programming, um, in a lot of programs is okay we can have the quote unquote ideal program on paper but how do we get people interested excited you know yeah, how do great, we yeah perfect. how do we get them looking forward to because you know not everybody is is you know has their sight set on being a world champion and will do absolutely anything mm-hmm. come hell or high water to you know in their training you know a lot of people they want training itself to be enjoyable to be fun not yes. just the outcome
0: you know what this is a fun topic and I like talking with fitness professionals about this. Um, yeah, I have some clients and students who are very focused on their goals. And so we, we break it down very systematically and we tackle it and track everything. The progress is almost always going up, which is crazy. Awesome. But by and large, I don't, I don't know what you've experienced, but by and large people I work with want a bit of training and entertaining. So my friend came up with the word enter training.
1: <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: good. Yeah, Ryan Humphreys, give him credit for that one. But it's true, you know, um, something to get him excited, you know. So I'm not just so static. And then I love the idea of adding in outdoors, especially hiking. I mean, that's of mm-hmm. course. And like you said, it's, it's good physically. It's good to get the synovial fluid moving around. And it's just good oh. up here too.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, honestly, my kind of extended effort today will probably just be mowing the yard but I like mowing the yard that I actually enjoy that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I feel you, man. Uh, mine is replanting a bunch of uh, herbs. We are growing a bunch of herbs in my garden on our deck. So I've got a couple hundred pounds of dirt to play with that's, that's my afternoon. That,
1: that counts my friend. All of it is, all of it is good. Yeah. Um, so no, I'm, I'm with you totally, you know, for, for a lot of people, especially a lot of people I work with, you know, outcomes are important. They want to be healthier. They want to feel better. They want to look good. Awesome. No, no problem with any of that, but they also, they also want their training itself to be interesting, to be yeah. engaging, to be challenging, to be fun. So I think as coaches, we have to keep those elements in consideration. And there's, there's ways you can intelligently do that. Uh, and I remember, you know, in a lot of our kind of strong on classes back in, in Pennsylvania, you know, we try to incorporate um, almost elements of gaming, you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, a lot of, lot of partner works, gamification of workouts. You know, we keep the principles there. We keep the fundamentals there. But we just let, want people to have a good time. Mm-hmm. when they're doing it too and they do i think they generally do um so yeah so that would be you want me to keep going through the the framework okay, of the yeah. yeah so what dan and i also came up with um so maybe you do that two to three days a week then maybe you have like two dedicated kind of movement practice days maybe you take one is like a press pushing and pulling day and another mm-hmm. one's like a hinging and squatting day some okay. just kind of cl- classic strength work there Um, then you have at least one kind of tonic day, one tonic mobility day, you know, Dan and I really like the original strength stuff, you know, a lot of the kind of neurodevelopmental patterns. I still like old school stretching as a martial artist. I, I actually do like, you know, you have to do it right. Mm -hmm. You have to do it right. But, but good old fashioned Taekwondo stretching, um, is it it works. Um, now I also want to emphasize that the kind of mobility work, the tonic work, we want to do that all the time, but I think it's worth having at least one day where we really emphasize that I or like focus it. on that
0: that's mm-hmm. really cool you know um here in August if if things go great I'll be doing the festival steel certification with uh, Matthew flaherty and um, he's on the podcast two weeks ago and uh, we did a drill together um, called the poltergeist guys where basically you increase your range of motion in your neck and like in about two minutes it's on the video you watch my head, like go significantly farther <laughs>
1: <laughs> The guys yeah. yeah
0: so uh, I'm with you i I, I every day i do mobility stuff first thing like you mentioned i do it faster i get up even before i walk the dogs just i i feel better my posture is better i think better and then yep yeah it just it helps
1: 100 percent, yeah so frequency play is very important for that but you know having like one dedicated day where it's i'm just gonna do this stuff i think is is a nice little boost and addition and then me personally i also like to have a day of kind of um I, I call it a variety day. I don't know if it is because I kind of practice a lot of the same stuff, but you just, you just practice something. For me, recently, it's been handstands, for example.
0: Oh, fun. Uh,
1: and then, you know, it kind of, and it's also kind of an improvisation day. Maybe that's the better way to put it, where I'm not going to crush myself. I'm not going to usually lift a lot of heavy weights on this. Uh, and it's mostly bodyweight exercises. But I was at the park the other day and I, I went in just with the intention to practice some hand balancing and stuff, which just always feels good and some hanging. But then I started running and then I started sprinting and, you know, just kind of organically evolved, you know? Yeah. So I guess kind of different ways to think about it. It's just kind of a free movement day, improvisation day, whatever you want to call it, where you just get out there and maybe you focus on a skill. I like the idea of focusing on a skill, mm-hmm. uh, like handstands or, or something like that. Juggling. I don't, I don't care. Any skill you want that's, that's yeah. movement involved, go for it. Um, could, you know, anything like that, just handstands have been interesting to me. And then, you know, if, something else feels good go for it and I think this is, especially when it's getting nice outside just having days like that
0: yeah all about the outdoor workouts especially now the weather here in Denver is amazing it's green there's butterflies out it's beautiful Anything
1: yeah guess. are you guys like so in Wisconsin here it's uh it, it shocks me because like our, our spring feels like two days it's just like ominous <laughs> winter ominous winter one rainy week and then boom everything
0: suddenly green yes yeah there's like a switch got flipped i'm like spring wasn't there i'm sure here in colorado but, but i didn't see it i didn't see it no i was probably watching batman or something when it happened yeah and and the quarantine didn't didn't help either yeah, yeah time became kind of fluid um here the last three months it just kind of it's kind of hard to grow up a concept of it
1: yeah i'm with you but anyway, that's, that's what, that's what, uh, recently working on. So it was just, um, just kind of sketching that out with Dan and we're going to turn that into just like a little free PDF. We're just going to give it away to anybody who wants it to so just, um, let's say if you want a written version of that, just, uh, next week on the podcast, when I talk to Dan, we should, we should have it done.
0: Oh, fantastic. I look forward to that. That's yeah, great content from two great coaches. That's, that's awesome. Well, I will uh, put notes for that for sure. And, um, is your podcast on Wednesday with Dan indeed, yeah, we
1: usually we record on Tuesdays, and I typically pop it up on on Wednesday. sometimes I get it up the day of depending if we get it done early enough or not. Gotcha.
0: yeah, podcasts um, aren't easy to edit and put up as we've we talked about yeah <laughs> uh... no they are a lot more a lot more work
1: than I think a lot of people may may assume um, but they're also great fun and um so. You know, I, I encourage people if you're if you're thinking about it, because I was somebody who I started my podcast because of my my latest book, How to Be Better at, at Almost Everything. I started it because I wanted to interview people I thought were generalists and kind of have a sounding board of ideas. Mm-hmm. And it was really just for the book. But then I really fell in love with it. I'm like, I actually like this. And it gives me an excuse to talk to people I find really interesting. And then, you know, it it, it grew on its own. And now it's just its, its own thing. But I didn't intend for it to be
0: How <laughs> funny. I like that. It's organic. Mm-hmm. It just evolved. Yeah. Yeah. I, like you, I, I didn't intend to have a podcast, but I realized um, within Gearman we get to interview a lot of companies like, um, well, heck like Patagonia, check this out. This just came in the mail and my wife colored it in. Uh, it's a box oh. full of food. We got in here, like smoked mussels and mm-hmm. kamut. You ever heard of kamut? It's like a grain. I- yes yes i have yeah mm-hmm. it's really tasty mm-hmm. yeah uh, so anyways well we get to work with these companies and uh record the conversations usually via video and i was like well that that's a that's a podcast basically right right just put it up and then like you said like it's so fun to reach out to people like you and like pick your brain and just have a nice dialogue and it, it was really meaningful like actually when i was up camping the there at night um there's only two other couples the whole night and one of them mentioned listening to a podcast of you and I and I was like what kind of small world is this this is great right that's awesome yeah and if they, they enjoyed it and it helped them and I, I don't know about you but as a content creator I just love to serve and create stuff and if it benefits somebody and meet that person really awesome
1: oh yeah it's it's one of the greatest feelings in the world um especially when you're not expecting it Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm back. Um, there you are. I was like, oh, you disappeared. No, that's good. Battery's no, up. I mean, it, it really is kind of a cliche, in a sense that you know, it's, it's better than than any of the money. And look, like I got mortgages to pay. I I need to make money too. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I I, I can can, see, can sincerely agree with that. When you when you see that you have somehow positively impacted, maybe in some cases, radically helped transform somebody's life for the better. Um, you kind of. You got you sit back and it's hard not to appreciate that.
0: yeah. It makes you really and be
1: thankful for it too. Oh,
0: I I love it. It makes it it makes it all worthwhile the time and effort we put in. Here's a funny story. So that that day I went up to go shoot videos. I shot 18 separate videos in each one like three or four takes, and none of them turned out. So like (laughs) the the failure level is super high, right? (laughs) But then you hear that you know that one success, you're like. Yeah, it was worth it. It was worth it. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, if anybody out there um, is feeling, you know, frustrated about, we call them false starts in writing, but they apply to everything. I mean, I have, I don't even know, thousands of false starts, and in, in uh, you know, across my creative smorgasbord. I mean, podcasts that will never see the light of day, uh, hmm. writing projects that just never came to be, um, probably never will come to be videos, all of it. We all have these false starts, this iteration after iteration after iteration. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's, it, it, a lot of it is a numbers game, right? If you're just willing to keep stepping up and taking swings, um, you're going to miss a lot. You're going to connect with some single here or double there. And then every once in a while, you're going to get that Homer. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people will see the homers a lot of times and, but they don't see all the other swings at the bat. And they certainly never see your misses because you don't publish them.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so true. I'm glad we're talking about this because sometimes I feel a little bit guilty when I see friends or our colleagues or, you know, somebody out in the, in the real world um, less now than usual, but you know, they're like, Oh, it's always rainbows and unicorns over there. And I'm like, Oh, there is some rainbows and unicorns for sure, but man, there's a whole lot of mud, <laughs> <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, it keeps. Yeah,
1: yeah, just just keep that in mind, folks. That uh, you know, it's it's easy to see, you know, successes for anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think anybody that I've been inspired by, once you kind of dig into their biography and their details, they just say the same thing, right? Like you didn't see all the terrible first rough drafts. You didn't see all the rejections. You didn't see all the edits. You just saw the final one finished product out of, you know, so many different attempts. So
0: absolutely. Well I think that's really good uh advice to leave the listeners and viewers with. Rock on. Yeah. I mean just go out there and do it. It's gonna suck. You're gonna fail, but you keep plugging away, you're gonna have some great results out of it. And it's gonna be rewarding beyond any measure. So just keep doing it. Amen. Amen. Well, Pat, thank you so much for your time as always. Love you, man. You guys are doing great stuff out there in Wisconsin. And thanks for jumping on the show. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Sean. Always a pleasure.
0: Awesome. And to all you engagement viewers and listeners out there, thank you for your time. And uh, all the best to you and your families. Stay safe.